Welcome to the all-new Todd and Taylor Show, episode one of season one. <laughs> uh, we're calling what we just did season zero. Season zero. Well, wait, who are you? We got to introduce ourselves. Oh, sorry. I'm Todd A. And I'm Taylor Trask. And yes, this is this is the all-new season. This is this is like imagine the previous episodes, like really just you know a bunch of pilots. You know how they usually when a, a TV show comes out, they do one pilot. Well, we did like six or seven pilots, and we kind of used it to. Uh, you know, we kind of refine and figure out what we were doing. And just like we had episode zero of that run, we were considering that entire chunk, I guess, season zero, to get us to this point. Yes, so because we have an all-new uh, format going forward. All-new. Um, tell, them, tell them about the format, Todd. Oh, well, I was, I was just going to pitch that to you. But I, I love this idea because uh, one thing that kept catch, uh, sneaking up on us was we could not – we would record a topical show um, – and we wouldn't be able to post it for a week or so, and then it would all of a sudden be untopical. So what we're doing going forward is um, choosing a topic, mm-hmm. dedicating a podcast to that, and r- so it's all wrapped up. And that's going to give it hopefully just a timeless, historic quality. Exactly. Um, and then we, then we may do short topical episodes in between. Um, yeah, but it's also going to give us a good chance to do... Uh, to explore sort of bigger topics than trying to cram a bunch of stuff exactly. in. Exactly. Well, we, we noticed, too, like in at least three or four episodes, if you go back and listen to any of the Season Zero stuff, at least three or four of the episodes, we get on these big, long diatribes about Game of Thrones that are basically episodes onto themselves. And I feel like when you take that out and just drop it as its own thing, that's basically an episode. Let's just do that. And then we'll try to yeah. keep all the, all the topical stuff like news and picks and, you know, our picks for the week, all that kind of good stuff. We'll just keep that as content on the website or content on social media. And then if you see it, great. If you're not, it's not going to, you know, you can still listen to the shows and not feel like, oh, this is from four months ago and I've already seen all this stuff and I don't, I don't care anymore. Yes, you know, so it's very, that's kind of, that's kind of, I think that'll make it easier for you, the listener. It'll make it more fun for us to kind of wrap our heads around and, and all that. What have you been up to, though, yeah, since I, we last recorded? seems like it's been a while. Oh, my gosh. Well, and what's funny, too, is that I think we've recorded one or two episodes that just never saw the light of day, which is totally fine. Um, one of those episodes was... They're collector's items now. Yeah. Yeah. It's like rare B-sides that you'll <laughs> never, right. yes, ever find. That's right. Yes. Because they've never actually been woven together. And but, the 20th um, anniversary collection of the Todd and Taylor Show, we will re-release those... Unheard, yes. unheard Epic episodes. Epic Back to the Future conversation we had in July. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if we've if we wrapped up Comic Con or not, but I did go to San Diego Comic Con for one day, one day, um, which was actually even so small of a portion of that day with which, all the which travel. Day? Considered. Saturday or the Friday? I forget which day it was. I, I went Sunday. The, the last day. Yeah, the very last day. Um, I, I there were you know it was. Um, there's too much to get into right there, but it was that was the that was the day that I had the opportunity to go and uh, have a badge that I could <laughs> walk around with. <laughs> um, so I kind of went. My agenda was uh, just you know see what's going on, um, uh, buy a couple books, and get the hell out of there. Nice. So and you did you rem- yeah. remind me you had a pretty epic oh, story for how you you know the tr- the trip home. Did you? Did you blog post about it at all, or is that something you would do at some point? I think I did write a, a, a little bit about it in my wrap-up. So you could, you could go to my website, heytodda.com, and search for San Diego Comic-Con to find out um, 
that whole story, but there was a very long uh, train trip involved, which is sort of um, how it goes with San Diego Comic-Con. So it wasn't really surprising, but it was definitely, you know, sort of put a, um, you know, kind of, it kind of closed the day with a a mixed feelings, I guess Mm. is the best way to say it, you know. So what have you been up to? What have I been up to? Uh, (laughs) This summer has kind of cruised by. Since our last episode, I have been busy with work um, and actually have been in Denver getting more into the film and production side of things. I've actually lined up two different film shoots uh, over the next two weeks. So that's that's been consuming a lot of my time, and hopefully I'll be able to talk about that stuff. It's just, just, well, actually, I take that back. I was going to say it's both client stuff, but one's kind of a music video documentary kind of thing, and the other one's just purely for fun. Um, that we'll actually probably be able to talk about on the show because it will be very geeky and weird and interesting. So uh, hopefully we'll have more on that coming up soon. But that's been, I mean, it's just pretty much been uh, jam-packed. I had a birthday somewhere in there too. So it's been fun. It's been a fun summer. Well, that's good to hear. Um, Yeah, I'm in in Nashville currently melting. So uh, it's my least favorite time of year. In Nashville. Well, and, and I dare to even say this, but it's beautifully cool and wonderful. It's like it, it kind of broke. We have a little taste of fall right now here. It's I think it was like 52 this morning or 53. It was oh my wonderful. Gosh. I know. And that was after. And keep in mind that we've had a really hot August so far, too. So it was kind of a nice break. But that being said, it's been as, as, as a heavy handed segue. It's been a <laughs> it's been a mixed bag at the summer box office, Todd. Uh no, not just at the box office, but just in general. Like, there's been a lot of interesting stuff that's come out since we started first recording this show in May of 2015. And I just want to let, let's get into kind of our review of what the summer looked like, what we thought about it, and kind of tee up what the fall looks like when we get all done with that. Sure. And there's a like a an even larger, like great sort you know overarching theme to this, which is we started this podcast. Um, because we had exchanged so many good thoughts about Avengers Age of Ultron. And so now we are mm-hmm. sort of rebooting and reformatting this podcast with a summer movie wrap-up, which is what we're tackling today. Mm-hmm. So it's appropriate that that sort of begins with Age of Ultron and, and carries us through to uh, Ant-Man, at least, which was the yes. <laughs> most recent movie I've seen in the theater. Um, yeah, well, let's, so, let's break I mean, this down. Let's, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's categorize this. If you've seen the movie The Good and Bad and the Ugly, we're going to take that, only we're going to do the good, the bad, and the uh, didn't even bother, I guess, you know, as far as movies we didn't yeah. even bother to see. <laughs> and we'll, we'll go and let's go in that order. Let's, let's start, with the pro, you know, start with the positive. Get that out of the way. You know, when, when you're, you're going to fire somebody or you're doing like a, a job review at work, they always like to say, get, start with a compliment. And so we're going to start by talking about our favorites <laughs> of the summer so far. And... I guess right off the right off the bat for me personally, um, Mad Max Fury Road. I was a late comer to that movie. I probably saw it a couple weeks after you know after it had come out. Um, was in a theater with maybe five or six other people, and it just as everyone has probably talked about to death at this point, it blew me away. It was uh, visually amazing. Just cinematography was gorgeous. The action was unparalleled. Um, you know all that good stuff was just ridiculously good. And the, and the director George Miller is, uh, you know, what, 72, 73 years old. So here's a guy who created the series in his 40s back in, you know, 1981, 1982. And, you know, the original guy who created the series is able to deliver sort of the pinnacle of what that series can be in 2015. And now there's going to be a bunch of, a bunch of new ones after that because it was so widely, recept- or widely received. So right off the bat, Mad Max Fury Road kind of set the tone for the summer for me as far as what I was expecting and what I hope to, hope to get out of movies. Yeah, and and it, correct me if I'm wrong. Well, actually, we'll we'll get into that in a minute. 
when we hit the the bad. But uh, <laughs> yes, but it was definitely it, it went it, it kind of you had a, a movie we'll experience that you were not so satisfied with, and then you saw Mad Max like the next weekend, and were like, "That's what I should have seen last week." <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so that really uh, speaks to it because it's uh, you know um, I don't know. Sometimes you see a bad movie, the next movie doesn't seem so good. Yeah, yeah, it can happen, or it can happen the other way around. I mean, in, in this in this particular case, the movie I saw before it was. So lackluster that I was just like, I mean, and not that Mad Max was, would have been, you know, was bad, but like I, I could have seen anything slightly better and would have impressed me. But the fact that this was so good just sort of was like, it was such a nice start to my weekend um, when it came out. What was and your, I, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. What was your question? Oh, I was going to say, I was just going to ask you, you that, that was kind of my, if I could pick a highlight from the summer for me, that was probably mine. What would be yours? If you could pick like one movie that's like, you know what, this, um, if I could just pick honestly, one and rewatch it a couple times. Oh, that's so difficult, right? I can't, I can't choose that because there's oh. definitely all, all the ones that I thought were, were great are in this in our first section of the good. But I definitely kicked off the summer with an amazing movie, which was Ex Machina, um, which right. I, I, you know, I didn't really even know too much about it um, going in. I'd seen the trailer. I mean, I guess that kind of summed it up. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it didn't. It didn't really have like. I didn't feel like there was this huge hype going into it. There were a couple mm-hmm. comments I saw on social media like, "Yeah, you absolutely have to go see this." So um, I definitely went in expecting it to be good, but didn't. You know, nothing was spoiled for me, and everything about it was just so good. And like, it was quiet and it was creepy, and it had really believable, realistic sci-fi to it. And it also just the way they introduced the the story and the predicament in you know like the first ten minutes was just so perfect and so mm-hmm. after that it was just kind of a you know slowly unraveling the story like a like a good horror movie or something I mean mm-hmm. suspense movie I guess is really really what it was and it was just it was super impressive and it and it was low key you know I mean uh, in the in the scale of other movies that I saw this summer uh, Ex Machina was definitely smaller scale. Um, a quieter moment is what you referred to it as before, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. A quieter moment, especially against all the bombast of things like Mad Max Fury Road, but also Avengers Age of Ultron, which let's just get that oh, out yeah. of the way right now. Um, yeah. Avengers kind of like the big... You were not as big a fan of Ultron as the first Avengers. Exactly, yeah. And, and not that I didn't like it. I enjoyed it. It was, it was fine. But it just seemed to be... I sort of went in with expectations of it being as good if not better than the first one and i was one of those guys who went and saw the first one like three times in the theater i just was so it was such a (laughs) fun wonderful you know experience just start to finish so ultron was like it was good it was you know but there's it had some things that the the further we've gotten away from it the more those things have kind of settled in my head as being actual problems that i had with it and not just oh i was annoyed i'm like no that was actually i that was i didn't care for that um, so that's I, kind of settled with me and sort of has left me with this, like, I'll rewatch it when it comes out on DVD or, or you know, digital, but, like, I'm not going to hold to it like I do. You know, I'm not going to rewatch it every year like I do the first one. That's good to hear. And so since we, when we decided to reboot this and do a summer wrap-up, I went back and listened to what is now Season 0, Episode 0, our very first podcast together, and listened to part of our, or all of our Avengers conversation um, mm-hmm. to kind of remind myself of how it started. Um and as I was doing that, I realized that some of the complaints you had, I was like, oh, maybe those are the reasons I haven't, I didn't go see it in the theater 
again. Like mm. for the first Avengers, I did see it twice in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I believe I even like made a point to see it in 3D and then not 3D or something like that. You mm. know, So mm-hmm. for Ultron, I didn't. I saw it on opening weekend and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pardon. so it's interesting. Like I, Maybe it's not going to age as well with me. The um, issues that I have with Marvel Comics movies that annoy me were so prevalent in the first Avengers and not in the second one. So that's why I came out of the theater uh, thinking like that was a, you know, I enjoyed it more at mm-hmm. the, at the time, like in the experience. But I think there's something to your, what you said to me, um, not in a podcast, <laughs> but when you just said, you know, that, that first Avengers just kind of like set the tone and the stage. And it was just so amazing to see that, that, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah I think, I think like that is going to stand the test of time. Whereas Ultron, they had this real problem with, um, this really hurried origin story of Ultron that didn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, basically really should have put problem. a lot of blame. It should have like, they should have just blamed Tony Stark for it. Um, and they didn't really, you know, that point wasn't really driven home. And so, you know, it, it did kind of miss a couple of those, those big punchy moments that the, we didn't, you know, there weren't mm-hmm. those, those things missing from the first Avengers. So. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, so go. you and, had another, and you can go and like you said, you can go back if you're really interested to hear our big di- our big breakdown. You can go back to episode zero, season zero, and see where we got st- see see what we thought then, and and uh, see kind of how this whole show got got started. Yeah, that was that was a, that was a great conversation about about Marvel. And so I'm trying not to spoil it and like go off on some rant about Marvel <laughs> right now. Well, I've been trying to I've been I've been holding back and be like, "Tell me more, Todd. What was it <laughs> knowing knowing for well, and we should save some of that because I'm sure it'll come back around again when Civil War, the first trailer for Civil War comes out. I'm sure we'll have a whole a whole big thing about that too. <laughs> I'm about to bring it up when we talk about Ant-Man. Ah, but excellent. first, let's go to another franchise which is uh, one of your favorites. And you, so the other thing that's funny is we didn't end up seeing all the same movies. Exactly. I did not see Mad Max. I also did not see Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Exactly. And that, and Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, I, here's the thing. Like, it was great. I, I really dug it. Um, but in, in f- after further sort of contemplation, um, I thought in the series, in the Mission Impossible series, for me, you know, it's a really close tie between Ghost Protocol and the very first one as far as which one's better. Ghost Protocol just sort of worked so well and had so many lo- – you know, it was a bigger budget version of the first – of what you saw in the first one. But they're really – they, you know, that first Mission Impossible movie will stay you know, in, in my top 10, 15 movies of all time for a good while. Um, and then I would say the third one, which was J.J. Abrams' kind of directorial debut – uh, of any of movies in general, strangely enough, was that third Mission Impossible movie, and then he has stayed on since as a producer for all of them. But that third one was so good. I mean, with Philip Seymour Hoffman and just sort of that vibe, really great. I would put this one, um, I would put Rogue Nation behind that. So probably fourth. Still great. Um, and obviously, I'm not going to acknowledge the second one at all. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that one doesn't even get it. That doesn't even get. You know, I'm not even going to pretend that that's even part of the of the franchise. So, so that being said, like you know, Rogue Nation definitely good, but there was you could tell that parts of it were sort of structured or constructed on the fly. And then la- listening to um, the uh, uh, there's a podcast where they interviewed both the uh, director McQuarrie and then Tom Cruise, and they talked a lot about a lot of those scenes and a lot of those set pieces were sort of loosely sketched out, but only on the day did they come up with well, what are we actually doing with the scene, or what did, when you know what is what is the dialogue, what's the point of it. Um, and that sort of that sort of bled through a little bit more than I'd like, um, 
you know, but it definitely had its like huge set pieces and its huge like you know the things you've come to expect from a solid Mission Impossible movie. And we'll talk actually. This is a good teaser too because we're going to talk more about this on our next episode where we talk uh, we get into kind of just the whole genre of spy thrillers or spy movies in general. Um, and we you know we'll kind of we'll bounce back on a Mission Impossible. But this particular installment was really fun, really good, a really kind of cool way to to end the summer. Well, is this um, so? It seems like the news that I've seen is that Tom Cruise is definitely coming back for another one. Yeah, they're actually they're they're okay. uh, it's kind of his only franchise that he can actually you know really have fun with, and and really I think people still they can kind of forget the whole Scientology thing when they see him in this. Um, and then this one did really well, so they're I mean they continue to do great. So I think they've they've already started fast tracking the next one. So instead of maybe a three or four year gap, we're going to start seeing a you know one or two year gap in between, which I'm all for as long as they keep this kind of vibe and momentum and keep them you know going in a certain way. Um, again, I have a whole sort of theory for how I want to see what I want to see happen sooner than later, but we'll get into that next episode. Yeah, that'll be cool because I, I like um, there's a an interesting thing about. Mission Impossible um, and a couple of other movies we're going to talk about where I, they're sort of, to me, they seem like sort of accidental franchises, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And then there's exactly. a way of like how they treat that, you know, once once a studio realizes like we've got a franchise on our hands, how do you go from just making sequels to making it a franchise? And I think the, the what you've told me off the record, like that we're going to talk about in our next podcast is, is really cool. So we'll just leave that as a teaser for an upcoming spy movie marathon Podcast. Well, speaking of franchises, though, and speaking, of, and this goes back to movies that you saw that I didn't. You picked up Jurassic World. Yeah, which I. It was funny at the beginning of the summer. Uh, I'd, I'd done a blog post about when all these trailers had come out. Uh, I, I'm sorry that I don't recall exactly what they were, but I think it was like Batman vs Superman, Star Wars, uh, Ant Man, and Jurassic World. And I was like, honestly, like Jurassic World is the one that I'm looking. For. I knew it was the most immediate one, you know, so it was easy mm-hmm. for me to say that, but. Um, uh, I was just so excited about it because I, uh, like you with the first Mission Impossible, like Jurassic, the first Jurassic Park was so incredible to me. Oh, yeah. And I, I think I saw that, you know, I, I know I saw it three or four times in the theater because I, I remember it was sort of like, you know, back when 99 cent movies still existed. And oh, yeah. I, went, I ended yeah, up yeah. going to like dollar theaters, you know, Those like still kind a of couple exist. weeks they're, in a they're, row. They're around. You just get stuff like, you know, three months after the fact when it's on DVD and not, you know, right away. So. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, that one, you know, I just, and so what's happened this summer, of course, is I've ended up seeing every single Jurassic Park movie, uh, whether it was just replayed on TV or I ended up, you know, um, renting the HD version of the restored version of Jurassic Park and watching it. And, um, uh, so yeah, let me ask you this real quick. Does that restored, does the original version on Blu-ray restored HD, does it, does the CGI still hold up in that sort of sharper format or can you poke holes into a lot more of it? It definitely, to me, it held up when I watched that. The and t- the reason I rented it probably on like Google Play or something was um, because uh, I'd seen it on on AMC, like on TV. You know, when they were just running replays, and I had that feeling mm-hmm. of like, God, the CGI sucks. But the problem for that is like the adjusted frame rate of television, as and as far as I understand it, is probably the you know the TV broadcasts in a different frame rate than a movie, and they're they're dumbing it down even from HD. You know, they're not necessarily yeah. broadcasting in HD. Yeah. So watching that actual HD version was so refreshing of like, this definitely holds up because they did such a good job of like, 
the actual motions of the dinosaurs. That was the thing we hadn't seen before. True. Was like, yeah, you know, it wasn't just a a monster with jaws that just like comes out of you know the ocean and and snaps its jaws. Like this was like, you know, a, a moving, uh, thinking creature. And that first Jurassic Park, like, uh, you know, totally wrote the book on how how movies do that. And so yeah, it definitely holds up. And and Jurassic World benefits from that because you you know. Um, you kind of get into that whole uh, that whole world a lot quicker because y- there there's no disconnect in your head anymore of like <laughs> what am I looking at? You're like, well, that's a dinosaur. <laughs> it's yeah. walking around. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, does and, it, and well, I, let me ask you one more thing. So does does the new one? And I think I asked this before, but does the new one rely too much on CGI? And has the CGI felt? Does it feel like? not much advancement has been made since 1993, or do you feel like, oh, God, they've had 20 years to really refine this, and it shows? Oh, man. Um, it's, it's, I, you know, it's hard to answer that because we've, because, you know, I've grown up with other movies relying on that, those CGI advancements. So um, I didn't, you know, I just didn't notice it anymore, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is cool. I think uh, one of the, um, it's, it's so strange to say this when you're talking about a movie, with giant dinosaurs in it, <laughs> but the scale of Jurassic world is so much bigger, mm. you know, mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, they've got this, uh, this giant underwater dinosaur that you all saw in the trailers, you know, that comes leaping out of the water. And, um, it like that thing is so huge and this, whatever this other one was that I've totally forgotten about the abominable Asaurus or whatever it was, <laughs> it's like the main evil dinosaur, which is so gigantic that you're like, um, you know that it that kind of maybe took away from it because although the CGI looked great and it was you know perfectly animated, mm-hmm. it loses some of the intimacy of you know watching that that first time when you see the Tyrannosaurus Rex mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. breathing in the you know window of the Ford Explorer that's like yeah, yeah. you know lost its power like in the first movie. It's just that was so terrifying, mm-hmm. and uh, you know so they've by blowing up that scale. Um, you always risk that, like, oh, you know, now it's like this, you know, this giant creature that we need some deus ex machina event to destroy. You know, we can't, like, just, you know, shoot it with a dart or something, yeah, yeah, <laughs> tranquilize yeah. it anymore. Um, but, you know, I think we, we talked about it a little bit on a podcast, I believe, and my biggest issue with Jurassic World, although I loved it, like, and totally enjoyed every minute of it, we'll definitely watch it over and over again. The, the biggest issue is that it doesn't confront those it doesn't have the dr ian malcolm like gravitas of those earlier movies you know well does it have that comment that sort of social commentary at all though slightly like it slightly comes from uh 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 oh my god andy dwyer (laughs) from his character (laughs) way to blank out on the dude's name chris pratt chris pratt yes Andy um, <laughs> for better or for worse, that'll always be, you know, I, I'm sure. I know. I, like, uh, I'm sorry, man. It's like calling Marky Mark, Marky Mark. Um, but yeah, he does sort of, I mean, he's definitely the one that's like, you know, uh, the voice of reason, if you will. Uh, okay. But my problem was, well, he's still working for the park. You know, he didn't yeah. like dissent enough to say, hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take money from this corrupt organization. <laughs> so, you know, he's kind of like a little bit a little too little too late. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's definitely, you know, I mean, uh, people have made enough, uh, there have been enough words said about the, um, uh, Blythe Dallas Howard's character and, you know, uh, her role in the film, uh, 
and you know, so she she kind of there's like a 180 that she does, and it's you know maybe it's a little too too quick or um, or you know they didn't build up her character enough in either direction or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know it's I, it it just the first one was so perfect. Yeah, is basically yeah, what it was, yeah. and and you know and so much of that was like Crichton's writing and you know having these characters that were like perfect. Uh, you know, per, sort of per, like the uh, the alignment chart is always what I think of. You know, the mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at you, I haven't done it, but I could easily imagine. You know, putting, um, you know, putting uh, those characters from the first movie into chaotic good and lawful good, and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, chaotic evil and stuff like that. So, th- there's a little bit of that lacking in all the all the follow ups. But um, anyway, this, I've, it was I've a, probably from what said I hear, too, it's for, from you and from others. It just seems like this was a, a true return to form, and actually, probably the truest sequel that we're ever like. You know, this should have been Jurassic Park two all along, from what I from what I've been told. Whereas the other, I, other two just kind of they they're, they're there, but they don't really do anything new other than show you Jeff Goldblum and and um, Sam Neill again. That was definitely my impression going in. I thought I really thought like this is going to be the 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 true sequel but having gone back to those others it's just that there's sort of like each one of the the like like Jurassic Park 2 and 3 whatever the crap they were called like one was the Lost World I think and then they just went to Jurassic Park 3 but they um each of them has like great moments Mm -hmm. that they it it was sort of like half of each movie is really good (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and Jurassic World definitely like stands on its own I mean that's the best part of it is it's you know you can see it relaunching a whole series you can see them bringing in that that serious Ian Malcolm perspective in a later movie Mm -hmm. you know it was a really good you know like we're talking about like what that we've talked about several times it's a good continuation of the franchise but also a reboot in some ways and um yeah I just I you know it was it would definitely like High point of the summer. Nice. So, nice. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Well, so I we, also saw Inside Out from Disney. And I did too. That's one of the few that we saw. Excellent. Uh, okay, so we, I, we haven't talked since you've seen it. So um, no. my impression of it was, and I actually saw it with a, with a few few other people too who absolutely adored it. So I kind of got to see it through their eyes as well as just my own. I, You know, I'm always a fan of these Pixar movies. Um, this particular one I thought was probably the deep, one of the more, probably the deeper one or deep best one that I think they've ever done where they get into... Not only just like, you know, child psychology, but like what, you know, what makes a good balanced person, you know, like what, you know, what mentally do you have to go through and what is, you know, what is uh, everything from, um, you know, ADD to Asperger's to, uh, you know, uh, uh, depression. I mean, all of these things are addressed kind of full on in a way that doesn't, you know, it it underscores the importance of those things, but it doesn't, but it's still palpable for kids, you know, so it's not just, you know, but it's just the way they go about doing it was so... Interesting, and I felt it was the first Pixar movie where I'm like, oh my god, we're this is like this is getting into some some good meaty stuff, um, you know. Besides just friendship and love, and you know, like I love my family and friendship, and those things are important too. But like this seems like it kind of took it another step. Uh, oh yeah, it, it dug a little deeper, which I'm I'm grateful for because I think we what, need that. And the way that they represented it in this, like, it is, I mean, it is so clever. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd seen enough in the in the previews and trailers where going in, I was, a, I thought like it was going to be a little ham-fisted or mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, a little too on the nose for this metaphor of feelings and memories and stuff. Mm-hmm. But watching it was like, oh, I mean, just I, because I watched it thinking of, you know, later watching this with my niece and nephew and going, oh my god, this explains <laughs> emotions and memories and thoughts yep. in such a. Uh, 
a beautiful way, like this, you know, the symbolism of these, these, you know, globes that are created to be each memory and stuff like that. Yep. And whether they're happy or sad or anxious or angry, it's, it was like, it was just, it was so beautifully done. Um, mm-hmm. and it took so many weird twists towards, um, what, you know, like a conclusion that if you would just sort of like, you could have wrapped up that conclusion maybe in like a sentence yep. and it would have sounded yep. really corny and like, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to make that interesting? But yeah. just the, the whole journey of the movie gets to this very simple conclusion in this, like just, I mean, it was just so great to watch. I mean, it was, and especially like, I, I don't know, I feel this way with a lot of Pixar movies where you watch it as an adult thinking of your self as a child maybe not necessarily watching it but it definitely makes you remember that's exactly it and it's i mean it just you know i remember going into toy story 3 and everyone saying like everyone cries at this one moment Uh and you're (laughs) you're never gonna believe what moment it is and it's one of those dumb things like if i if i just if someone just told me like well they're gonna be on a conveyor belt you know heading towards an incinerator and you're gonna cry like you'd go no i've now, I know that's going to, you know, now that I know it, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that moment happens and you're like choking back tears. Like, I can't believe it worked. Yep. And Inside Out, I think, has those moments, too, where you just you get choked up right at the everyone in the theater gets choked up at the same place because of the just, per, you know, like it's just such a mm-hmm. God, Pixar movies are so well done. <laughs> They're so orchestrated. You know, well, that's you, what just it kinda, is. you just kind of nailed it. You just kind of nailed something that I have sort of uh, you know, thought about, but just not I haven't encapsulated that way. But it's it is true. It's like the best Pixar movies, or you can even say just Pixar movies in general, let facilitate the best conversation you're going to have with your childhood self. You know, where it's like they they open that bridge up and you have right. it, and you're just like, and both and you and your childhood self sort of you hug, and there's like a you know there's a moment, and then you kind of get back to your life again. But it's like it's the best versions of those movies do that. Where I you know I think that's where other animated movies or other sort of you know in that style or that vein that's what they lack is they they kind of you know and even like i would say things like up where that's almost it i would say even too up is is you having a conversation with your future self you know and, oh, and you know, kind of opening up that doorway so there's like it, it it goes both ways but it lets you sort of access a version of you that once existed or might exist that that you know you're grateful to have uh you know grateful to have that back and forth with yeah, and it's uh, you know there. Um, oh, I just the whole catalog of Pixar movies is incredible. But that um, I you know I would probably still today if you ask me about favorite Pixar, I would say The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. But I know that's the adult in me yeah. going. I wanted to see a cool superhero movie, mm-hmm. and that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Because when I watch that, I don't have that experience of thinking of myself as a child. Ah, okay. But even something like Monsters Inc. or you know Inside Out or um, like. That those movies connect me, you know, it's that weird bridge to the past. And I like what you said about Up because that's also how I feel about like Ratatouille or something, you mm-hmm, know, where it's, mm-hmm. um, I watch that it's sort of in reverse, like with the kid's gaze thinking of being an adult, you know, um, man, Pixar, mm-hmm. they're so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's cool. We have, we have a, like a, uh, a two thumbs up on Inside Out. Two thumbs up. Yeah, it was definitely worth a go. Um, I also yeah. saw. Let's um, see here. Actually, no. Uh, I think the rest it, of the stuff on this on the good list is you. Well, um, yeah. It's. I mean, where do we go from Inside Out? That's so difficult. Yeah. Like that's, it's such a beautiful moment to me talking about a, 
a superhero that shrinks himself to the size well, of an let's, ant. Well, before we do that, let's do some honorable <laughs> mentions. Um, I want to do an honorable mention real quick for the series Sense8, which is not a movie per se, but when you watch these Netflix series from start to finish, they basically feel like big, giant movies anyway. So Sense8 on Netflix, it was the Wachowskis sort of foray into television. And um, I had put it off watching because I kind of had one impression of what it was. It actually took my friend... Uh, my director friend Adrian, who said, go watch the little 20-minute making of documentary that they've got for this, because even if you hate the series, you'll love just how they put it all together. So I watched that, and it made me realize what this really was, so I jumped in on Friday, and I'm just like, I'm I'm kind of taken by it. And it's, you know, it's tropey here and there, and it's got its moments, and it kind of moves a little slow, but once it kind of locks in on the story, and once you've kind of established the characters and the relationships, it really starts to kick up. And just for those of you who don't know, the central premise is there are these eight people around the world who from a single event all gain the ability to sort of mind meld with each other um, and at first it's simply just feeling what the other you know what the other people might be feeling or sort of having psychic visions of what they're experiencing but it evolves to them being able to like physically you know, uh, uh, ma- manifest themselves in you know next to the other person that they're talking to and have a conversation and actually, you know, project themselves into that other person's reality or pull that person into their reality so they can see and feel and touch everything around them, and so they start to all kind of connect in these interesting, cool ways and help each other with their own particular problems. What really hooked me is that each sort of character that they focus on. Um, and and it's, it's beautiful, too, because it's shot on location literally around the world, everywhere from Africa to Iceland to Canada to San Francisco. Like er, They use true real locations, which is mind-blowing. But each of these little sub-stories could be an episode onto themselves. Like Those could be individual episodes, you know, sorry, uh, in, individual series uh, around these, huh. these things. So the fact they blend it all together, and then there's, you know, uh, uh, is it Terrence Mann, I believe? Um, the actual, like, the quote-unquote bad guy, he doesn't show up really. He shows up in the very beginning for a blip, and then he doesn't really kind of remerge until about halfway through or a little past halfway through. So it's just, I don't know, it's just so well put together. Saeed from Lost is in it. Daryl Hannah's in it. Martha from Doctor Who is in it. So there's kind of like this great, awesome cast. If, uh, I can think of a couple of the, the actors from Cloud Atlas, another Wachowski movie. They're in it. So if you like any of that, just jump in. It's on Netflix. What? It's so where do you put its its uh, quality? Is it is it one of those things that I mean, it does it have that cinematic epic quality to it? Yes. Or is it, it more definitely television? Does. No, no, it definitely has. I mean, it has this. I mean, the the locations alone uh, enhance the production value just tenfold. You know, it's like you could have told the same story in one city. You know, it could have been like, hey, we're just going to pick Chicago, and all these people are going to be, you know, living in and around Chicago in some way. Or you could have even just said, hey, this is the United States, but they said this, these people are all around the world. So that scope, you can definitely tell. And the cinematography is gorgeous, um, and it doesn't. It, it has sort of some of those signatures of a Wachowski movie, like V for Vendetta or The Matrix or Cloud Atlas. But you don't. It, they they kind of take. They have some fresh new stuff that they kind of inject in it to it too. So there's definitely that. But it's still acce- it has that accessible feeling that you would find with TV shows. So it, it feels comfortable on a small screen. Even though I could easily see this being a you know if some theater somewhere decided to do like all eight you know all ten hours of this back to back like I I would it would it would you know obviously with potty breaks and everything but like I could see that working just as well. Cool. Well, that's good. I've yeah, I've just I, it's been one of those mysteries to me. Like I've seen it show up on Netflix and just have not given it a chance. You know. Yeah, de- me too. Definitely, definitely. Though jump in. That's my kind of my honorable mention for the summer. I, well, I'll throw in my honorable mention, which was had... uh, a very quiet movie called <laughs> Mr. Holmes, which I saw, um, which is about Sherlock Holmes, uh, thirty years retired, 
trying to put the, the pieces together on one last case. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just a super... I don't even have as much to say about it as you did about Sense8, but I love... Um, yeah, but don't bury, don't bury the lead, though. Starring Ian McKellen as... Yeah, yeah. Sherlock Holmes. Starring Gandalf. I mean... <laughs> I mean, you can't get any. I mean, even if you like Cumberbatch or Robert Downey Jr. for God's sake, or any of them, like just the idea of Ian McKellen being Sherlock Holmes is like, I'll, I'll see it on that alone. Not even caring. I mean, what else is going to happen? You know, what's going to happen? But the rest of the movie sounds amazing, as far as the story. Yeah, goes. it's uh, it's. I mean, like, d- don't don't let me like. Uh, it is so well written, and it's. Uh, uh, but I would I would definitely not, you know. Don't go in expecting <laughs> a younger Sherlock. <laughs> this is an old, old Sherlock. So it's a lot of like watching an old dude. Um, mm-hmm. In in all the like very human aging problems that you know anyone has like that. So it's it's confronting mm-hmm. you know a man confronting his mortality and uh, it, you know so it's at times it's difficult to watch you know but um, mm-hmm. but the story is just like the, there's several layers to the story and it's. It's just really clever, you know. There's nothing, there's no gadgets or anything that are crazy and going to blow your mind, but it's a real does, uh, real gem. Does the character of Watson make an appearance at all? It, sort of, because the, the case that he's trying to button up is um, all based on... So in this universe, and I don't know exactly how this is, you know, is in other... I don't know how it is in the television show or anything like that, but he, in the in this Sherlock Holmes universe... Watson is the one who has actually written those stories um, about Sherlock's Holmes. That, so these uh, sort of fictionalized accounts of Holmes cases exist. And mm. they were made into mm-hmm. movies. It, it made him famous, um, you know, for sort of the wrong reasons. And one of these cases, uh, Holmes does not remember it ending the way that Watson had it end. And so oh, it's him putting those pieces back together as an old man whose memory is failing, um, you know, with this other layer of, you know, how he, how he lives, uh, you know, as a retired detective. And so it's just, Mm -hmm. you know, Watson, uh, it's really, it's really smart. They never actually show his face, even Mm -hmm. though Mm -hmm. he is a character. Like, I mean, his hands appear, you know, you see a body that is Watson doing things. He's still active in the world. They just, they don't focus on him. Okay. (laughs) But I won't... (laughs) I guess I spoiled that already. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, he's dead. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, but when they flash back to the case, you know, like so when they're going back to that, mm-hmm. there's you know Watson interacts with them and stuff. So it's real smart because they don't, um, you know, they don't they sort of don't have to deal with the emotions of Watson or something. He's like, sure. a, it's sort of like sure. it is a character you already know. So we'll just we'll just call him Watson and he'll do these things, you know, and you. Um, which I, I really, I, I really liked, you know. So it was mm-hmm. um, because the story is is Holmes saying Watson told all my other stories. I'm telling you this one. Oh wow! So I love that. It's it's a very cool like kind of twist in the perspective. Would so, that have made a better TV show instead of a movie, in your opinion? I don't think so because I don't think you want to watch any more of it than there is. Gotcha. Okay. Because I mean, it really is so. Um, it, it it does take so much on the. Uh, so much of the story is about him being that age, mm-hmm. like 93 or 95 or whatever. And, um, you know, and being frail and having difficulties remembering things. And mm-hmm. so, so much of it is, is, you know, you don't really want to revisit that. It's kind of like, he's just, he's just wrapping things up. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, it's good that they wrap that up. 
So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Very cool. So now should well, I talk about the Well, let's ant? end, though, on the, on the big one. The, well, the, sm- the small one. The big movie in a small, in a small package. Yeah, the tall tale. Um, yeah, so I just saw Ant-Man last week. Um, since nobody knows when we're recording this or when it's coming out, I don't have to bust myself on how long it took me to see it. <laughs> but um, like everyone else, I probably like everyone else. I don't want to speak for everyone else in the world. You know, I don't know what's going on with them. Um, but I was I was wary. I, to me, there are two really stupid superpowers. One is stretching. Like, I hate Mr. Fantastic and Plastic Man and the Elongated Man. Mm-hmm. Not only is it the dumbest superpower, why are there so many people that have it, you know? And number two mm-hmm. is the shrinking power. And again, it's like, oh, my God, why are there so many superheroes who can just get small? Like, what a dumb power. Mm-hmm. So when Ant-Man was announced, I was just super just over it. You know, just didn't care. I saw it as like they're like a Fantastic Four movie or something that... You know, and it was, I kept thinking like, oh, why are you bothering tying this into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all this stuff? And my goodness, did it surprise me. Wow. Like, it, it was, it has turned into one of my favorite Marvel movies ever. Uh, really? So, you know the gripes that I have with the Marvel movies just being super cops. Yep. Basically yep. just being the Avengers. They all get a superpower. And then the first thing they decide is, like, let's get that government pension. <laughs> all, like, none of them want to just sort of operate independently and be Batman. They all just want to work for the government. You know, it's, it's so boring to me. Uh-huh. Um, and Ant-Man is so unbelievably the opposite of that. Mm. Everything about him. In fact, like, I have, as much as Batman is probably my perfect archetype of a superhero, mm-hmm. I you know I have huge problems with him, you know, beating the senses out of the Joker, and not and like you know the like they never find justice for the Joker. Like Batman will never kill him, and he never gets dealt with by the you know the actual institutions of justice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but Batman sees you know Batman has some qualm against killing him, but he will you know absolutely beat him to within an inch of his life. And I'm always mm-hmm. like I don't this is a contradiction, man. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> You know, you can't like you. That's just such an awful thing to be that violent, but you you know you have this one line you won't cross. Yeah. So I mean, I you know it's a cool thing for a superhero, but it's also it, it gets into some some gray territory, which is the purpose of Batman. Whereas Ant Man is like borderline pacifist. It is, I mean, I mean, it's just I, I wrote a really long thing for my blog that will appear in the next couple of weeks, um, just about all these sort of great opposite characteristics that Ant-Man has compared to like Iron Man, whereas Ant-Man is created by, you know, a really smart uh, scientist. Uh, It involves wearing a suit that does some special things. Mm -hmm. Um, Yet that suit has no weapons, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And um, Michael Douglas as the aging Hank Pym, who has uh, created the suit and the technology, he doesn't live in this like opulent, you know, uh, artificial intelligence run house mm-hmm. with his, you know, his servant, his beautiful servant, you know, and um, all this kind. Of, I mean, it's just the anti Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, wait, even Hank Pym's. So my, that was. I'm glad you mentioned that because my having not seen it yet, um, and I was gonna. I was kind of waiting for you to give me the the all clear before I jumped in. But having not seen it, is my my assumption was Hank Pym was a you know 
Tony Stark 20 years from now, you know, where maybe he's a little older, a little wiser, but still has a lot of those same trappings that, you know, Tony Stark would. So you're saying that's not the case. Well, he, um, oh, and like I'd heard uh, a, just a tiny amount of grief before I saw the film, before it even came out, I'd heard a tiny amount of grief. People saying, I can't believe Hank Pym isn't going to be the Ant-Man, mm-hmm. you know, that, that Paul Rudd is going to be Scott Lang, you know, Ant, Ant-Man 2. But what they've, that, is, that in itself is so clever because um, the very first scene, you know, the movie opens up and then uh, there's a, you know, a text appears that says 1989. Mm-hmm. And it's Hank Pym, a young Michael Douglas, walking into a room with Howard Stark and Peggy Carter. Whoa. <laughs> no, wait. That's in 89? Yeah. Interesting. I know. So it's an interesting timeline. But it's like, man, in five minutes, they they established Ant-Man as having a 30-plus year history with the Avengers yep. and S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. So it's perfect. You know, it's like, I, I get it now. You know, like, uh, obviously, Captain America spans that history because he, you know, is that old. But um, but they it was just this great, like way to start the movie and connect it to the comic book universe and the cinematic universe. So wait, you know? now, did, how, old is, uh, how old are Peggy and Howard related to Hank in that flashback? Is Hank young, considerably younger looking than they are? He is a little bit younger looking, but they're, they're all... He, uh, you know, he lo- I mean, he looks like Michael Douglas did in 1989. So wait, they, like, they do the... the most unbelievable makeup you've ever seen. Do they, do they do the Tron <laughs> Jeff Bridges thing on him where they, they yeah. kind of like reverse CGI's face? That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it's hilarious, um, and uh, you know they 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 are uh, contemporaries, I guess. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, Peggy Carter is definitely aged, you know, um, from Agents of Shield age, uh, and Howard Stark is just Roger Sterling, you know, from the <laughs> I'm from the Iron Man's. So, um, but yeah, so it it you know it, it, and it it opens with him refusing. He learn he's learning that Shield has been trying to recreate his work with the PIM particle. Mm. And he says, you're not going to get this work. I know you just want to turn it into weapons. Uh, there's uh, the, the bad guy um, in that moment, uh, Mitchell Carson. I'm looking this up. Uh, he, um, so he's also there with S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and he, he says some nasty stuff to Hank about, his, about Hank's wife. And Hank smashes his face into the table and walks out. And it's like, I've been waiting for an Avenger to do this <laughs> for seven years now mm. <laughs> to just say, no, I'm not going to sell you a weapon. You know, like mm. uh, I, I just, you know, my, one of my big gripes in Winter Soldier is uh, there's this dashed off line about, well, Tony Stark helped us fix the engines on the whatever those giant hovering battleships are that just kill people from space, you know, that they build mm-hmm. the helicarrier. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah. And it's like, Jesus Christ, like Tony Stark, like never stops building weapons for people. But Ant-Man opens with Hank Pym saying, you're not getting to use my science for your weapons. And That's awesome. even later wow. in the movie, you know, when he's teaching Scott how to use the suit, he says, the suit has no weapons. <laughs> That's awesome. So this is almost you know, like, it's they, like they I didn't like go back just... and, and build Yellow Jacket. Well, it's almost like they inadvertently made the movie for you based on your complaints of prior Marvel stuff, you know? I, f- I really feel like I'm getting through to someone. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they listened, they went back, they did some drastic rewrites after our, our episode uh, about the Avengers. Like, you know what? He's right. And they went back and they reshot a bunch of stuff. And, you know, it's, I'm glad. I'm <laughs> glad they did that. I'm glad we have such an influence I, on, on the uh, populace. Well, and I'll tell you one of the um, 
uh, interesting. Um, I mean, we could we 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 should probably put on the calendar sometime to just talk about like the entire Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that would or cinematic universe that would be probably a good devoted episode. Um, but I'll just drop one more piece of trivia on this, which was I, I mean, I just thought the whole thing was so smartly written and so like just oh, it also had the. Um, I'll, I'll drop two things on you. One is that I loved the stakes of it because mm. one of my other gripes with superhero movies is they're always. Um, trying to prevent the end of the world, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, again, it's like when you make a problem that big, then some crazy fantastic thing has to happen out of the blue to solve it, Mm -hmm. you know? And that always bugs me because, you know, it's... Well, and the stakes, like, how many times can the world, like, how many times can the world be threatened before you're just like, I don't care anymore? Like... Right. You can only play that card yeah. once or twice, which is why, kind of, not not to segue, but like, Daredevil on Netflix made it just about one damn neighborhood. I think that's why a lot of people that resonated with a lot of people because they're like, we're right. acknowledging that the world was threatened, but right now we're dealing with this right here. This is all we we can wrap our heads right. around right now. So I like anytime you know, yeah. anytime a show or a movie or anything like kind of pulls it back in or reins it back in a little bit, it almost makes it feel, it makes that movie in particular feel more meaningful because you're like, oh, wow, this matters right now. This is what we're talking about right here. Not the universe or the world or, you know. Anything. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I can see what a what a difficulty that is in, in escalating stakes with sequels, you know. I mean, for me, Iron Man 1 felt really good about, you know, there were global problems for sure, and that's what inspired Tony Stark to become a, you know, superhero, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, and But the you know, the immediate problem he had to deal with was his business partner. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, you know, creating one super weapon. And then the second one, you know, all of a sudden it's like another kind of a business partner, but he's created an army of super weapons, you know, and it, and then the third one is like global terrorist. Yeah. So it's definitely a balance in how you, how you move those stakes up. Uh, but I guess on the heels of like man of steel and the Avengers movies, um, it felt like, I just I don't want to see a city being ripped out of the ground again. Yeah, you know? yeah. And Ant Man was just it was just beautiful. It was like this you know this wicked man has uh, reverse engineered the Pym particle to create Yellow Jacket to sell to Hydra, of course. Oh wow! Um, wait, so wait, and, Hydra's reconstituted in this movie? Yeah. Um, I, which was I, I don't really know how that fits in the chain of events, but uh, they openly refer to. You know, this guy, of course, the guy that you're introduced to in the first scene who worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. now works for Hydra. Um, Interesting. So it is a post-Winter Soldier, you know, timeline of... <laughs> okay. S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hydra were the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then, um, so they just kind of mention, like, he works for Hydra. But, you know, so, so basically the stakes are stop that one guy who, at this moment, only has one prototype suit. And it was, like, that was great. You know, that was just the perfect amount of like danger for Ant-Man to be in. So, um, yeah, it was, it was great. And so the one little bit of trivia I wanted to drop on there before we roll on to, uh, our next segment is, um, I, you know, in, uh, movie, uh, I, I don't know what you'd describe this as, but in like movie convention, when you see a written by credit and there is a name and then an ampersand and a name, it means these two people wrote the movie together. Mm-hmm. And when you see the word and, it means the first guy or or, or woman or um, person wrote it, 
and it was rewritten by the next person. Oh, know? I did not know that. Wow. Well, so the ampersand Ant-Man, designates... I f- yeah, so they mean something, you know? Um, and Ant-Man's written by credits are... Uh, I, I'm sorry, I forget who. It's someone in Edgar Wright, I believe, first. Mm-hmm. So they work together. And so then there was a rewrite, and it's Adam McKay and Paul Rudd. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So they went through and, and probably did a polish of the script and gave it a lot of its, you know, cl- like, it, it's, it's not overly comedic or, like, mm-hmm. you know, too clever or anything, but it definitely just rolls with this. Like, there's a great voice to Ant-Man throughout, you know? I would love to um, see what the original Edgar Wright script was like. I wonder if he's yeah. leaked it yet because, it, I mean, everybody was up in arms when he was removed from the project and he had been working on it for so long. He did that first concept video of like, you know, Ant-Man jumping in, you know, shrinking and jumping. Yeah. In. I think that I don't, they may have even put that in the movie for all I know. But much like with Deadpool, where they did that kind of proof of concept video, um, yeah. they did the same thing with Ant-Man. That was all Edgar Wright. So I'm wondering, and, and I, even too, when they brought in Adam McKay, I'm like, really? Is this, is this just going to be like anchor, like anchor Ant-Man, you know, at the end of the day? And it's... <laughs> You've said that, and others have said, no, no, no. It's actually, it feels like it feels like it's part of the MCU. It feels, um, it, yeah. it's not overly, it's not heavy-handed or anything. It's, but it's got its levity that's that's very much needed after, you know, all these other kinds of things we've seen. So that's cool. That's cool to know. I I had no idea that the and the a n d meant this person now rewrote what you just you know what this other person did. That's crazy. Did yeah, you if you ever, if you want to get into a a, a bizarre. Um, Human centipede of uh, <laughs> screen, oh God, I, screen credits. I don't. Uh, I don't want to get into. Check out uh, Gross Point Blanks writers. I just. I won't say any more than wow. that. Wow. Go Google Gross Point Blanks. Okay, I'll do that as soon as we're done. But it is a. I, when those credits roll, it is. Uh, you know, it is. It is unexpected. Wow. <laughs> how many people polished Jesus. that thing? I wonder how much. I wonder what their percentage, if anything, is on that. Like everybody gets like half of a half of a percent on the back end. I know. Yeah. Be really crazy. Well, let's let's now having kind of summed up the good of what we've you know what we liked. The next we'll kind of move a little faster through these next segments because there was yeah. fortunately a n- more stuff that we did like than stuff we didn't like. I agree. Like I would much rather talk about stuff we did like and are enthusiastic about than stuff exactly. that's bad. So and we didn't but really have that much beware. that was bad. If, in ca- that's true. That's true. But buyer beware because in case you were you were thinking about going out to see these or have th- seen these and just need somebody to. A shoulder to rant upon. We're here for you, and I think yeah. <laughs> I think I'll start with one that I have seen. Um, and yeah, this, I think that's the best one to start off. And with. kind of juxtaposing this with Mad Max Fury Road, like I was super. And, and you can go back to I forget which episode it is, but I talk at, at great length about Tomorrowland in a previous episode in season zero. And you know, I, since since we have talked about it, I've had others come up to me and go, you know what? You're absolutely not. It's an it's an amazing movie. It has a great heart and great message. And I'm like, that's fine, but it just it's so convoluted and just there are so many things that was just an extra pass of the script would have been so much better and so tighter um especially and this is my biggest problem it was a movie whose marketing campaign created a better movie than what we actually saw and i saw that you know having seen the trailers and the marketing and all the teasers and everything i'm like oh my god this is gonna be this is gonna be my favorite movie the whole summer maybe the whole year and it turned out to just be kind of a lackluster little thud in my world and sure, yeah, it had it had some good moments on. You know, you know, we need to be optimistic and we need to, you know, invent the future again and all that stuff. But it just it was that was overshadowed by too much flimsy storytelling. At the end of the day, just f- basic flimsy storytelling, com- you know, cliches and convoluted stuff and ill-defined characters and 
You have Hugh Laurie running around, who's apparently the villain, but then not really, but then he is. And I, not, it's, and not, not because it's, there's a twist, it's just because for half the movie, he just decides to chill out and not be the villain for no apparent reason. It's just, it's so weird. <laughs> so like, there's all of that. And I just, uh, I just, it well, could have been su- so much more. That's such a, there's such a huge point there in that, in that marketing critique, because so many times we go to movies and our complaint is, well, I saw the whole movie in the trailer. Yeah. But yeah. then, but then there's also that experience of Tomorrowland, which is you think you're going to see one movie yeah. and it's, you know, and it's not, it's nothing like that. Um, and, you know, I mean, sometimes that works out like in a great way. I mean, I thought the Ex Machina trailers had just enough of everything that intrigued me to get in there. And I was still mm-hmm. like, you know, enwrapped like the whole time, like just watching the story and all these things that I didn't expect. But Tomorrowland was sort of, you know, just had this, it was a total downer for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, likewise, a movie that I didn't see, and I don't think you did either. Um, but came out shortly, shortly after, uh, shortly before, shortly after Tomorrowland, which was Ted two. Um, not necessarily a geeky movie so much, but just, I mean, it is, you know, there's, if you liked the first one, enjoyed the first one. As I did. I love the first one. Um, although I've noticed the first one upon repeat viewings gets a little, you're like, okay, I've heard all these jokes before. There's, there's one or two that I still laugh at really hard every time. But that being said, it was great. It's still great fun the first time around. This next one, a lot of people were just like, eh. And then just, I was going to see it. I was kind of amped up to see it. But then after the disappointment of Tomorrowland and just seeing some of the r- reviews and people going, no, I just sort of stayed back. So I, I, I will lump it in the bad, even though I haven't seen it. I just feel like it, it sort of deserves that, that status. Well, I, I do I do like that we're just calling it out specifically like this sucked. Sorry, <laughs> Ted Two. Neither of us saw it. We're just gonna pass judgment on it. And likewise, um a Fantastic Four we put in the bat. Well, um, I think was, I think that can be pretty much universally accepted at this point. Like I last that last look on Rotten Tomatoes, which was like a day ago, it was at nine percent. Um which is Well when we first talked about <laughs> When we first talked about doing a, a summer wrap-up, I said, cool, I'm going to see Ant-Man and Fantastic Four this week. <laughs> and I never got around to seeing Fantastic Four. I think that's best. I'm not, I'm not even sure I'm going to ever... You know, there's a morbid curiosity just to see if it's yeah. as bad. Because I'm like, surely nothing's as bad as Green Lantern or even more so um, X-Men Origins Wolverine, which was just so disappointing. Or I'll even do one better than that, X3. Like... Anything, it, oh. nothing could be worse than X Men Three, um, and that, I say that as a lover of the first two X. I mean, I, X to me, X Two is like one of the greatest, if not the greatest, superhero movie of all time. Period. Like, there's so much about that movie I love and will defend to the death. But just Fantastic Four, man, and and it's even more telling when you see people going back to the 2005, 2007 Fantastic Fours with Jessica Alba and like Michael Chiklis and going, oh, thank God those exist, so we can at least watch those. And have them feel like they're part of you know something and not this thing. It's so you know it's so weird to me that they keep trying to do Fantastic Four. Yeah, there's a good point um, too. And it's I you know the, um, uh, I don't know that it's especially hilarious, but if you if you went to my blog and searched for Fantastic Four, you would see a you know write ups of the Roger Corman movie, which I I saw bootleg of you know ten years ago or something, and then. The Jessica Alba one, that very first one, um, which I, I thought was, it wasn't like a total stinker, but it was so pointless. Yeah, 
yeah. you know? I mean, it was really, really pointless. Silver Surfer, I thought, was, like, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, that was better, but I, I, I couldn't tell you exactly why. Well, Silver um, Surfer would have been badass if they had actually made Galactus a real thing and not right. just some kind of weird vortex of clouds and stars and I don't know what, <laughs> like... I was expecting because as a fan, as a huge fan of the. Remember back when Fox TV, like the you know Fox Channel, ran yeah. uh, like their their Marvel Afternoon you know cartoon series of stuff. So they do like the Amazing Spider-Man and they do X-Men. There was a Silver Surfer cartoon they ran for a while that was really good. I really dug it. You can still find it, I'm sure, on Netflix or YouTube right now. But their version of Galactus and that was, I just I it was it was really compelling. And I'm like, imagine that in a movie context. Like how awesome would that yeah. be? And it's just like. They're just too scared, which is crazy. And this is more of a little bit trivia for you. Go back to Blade, Fantastic Four, X-Men, I think Spider-Man, I think, but pro- maybe not. Definitely X-Men, though, definitely, um, definitely Fantastic Four. Kevin Feige was a producer on all those movies. So Marvel's Kevin Feige, who, you know, through his will, we have the Marvel Cinematic Universe as it is today – was around and consulted on and had a hand in those movies. And I'm sure studio concerns sort of overweighed him. But it, it makes me wonder, like, what, what we did, you know, of the Jessica Alba Fantastic Four, like, what made it in? Like, what was, you know, what was by his design and what was, you know, Fox just going, uh, you know? And it's crazy. I'll, I'll take you one more, uh, one better. It's, it bugs me that Fox, who could deliver us X-Men, X-Men 2, you know, th- th- and understand how that works, and even delivers X Men: Days of Futures Past, which is you know last year. C- just don't they, they couldn't give us something in that vein or something that was fun like that. It just they gave us this other this other thing for Fantastic Four. So I don't know. I don't even know why they're still pursuing it. They've clearly this is kind of like their second strike, if you will. Um, and I, I'm not, yeah, I wouldn't I be just, surprised I, if they just I, yeah, let the property I mean, lapse. maybe they're. Maybe there are huge Fantastic Four fans, but well, Marvel's me, not even publishing it right now. Really, I mean, they kind of have—they've kind of pulled back too on just it being a property of concern for them on the comic side. So it's going to kind of sort of die a slow death, it seems like, over the next five to ten years, unless somebody does something really amazing with it. Which, uh, I, I, it's so funny because you know, as, as much as I would fantasize about Spider-Man or the X-Men joining the Avengers Marvel Cinematic Universe, I have no interest in the Fantastic Four joining that universe, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I yeah. Well, I, I don't let's take it one, and going back to your, kind of your, The Incredibles being your favorite Pixar movie, that's honestly, if we're going to... The best Fantastic Four, right? Boom, yeah. That's, <laughs> you know, it's already been done. It was called The Incredibles, and that's, I mean, I don't think, I think, and I, people probably have that in their mind when they're like, what's, oh, it's four... You know, four people who are kind of like a family, and here's, oh, this isn't one it of them at stretches. All. Yeah, one stretches, and one one <laughs> turns invisible. invisible. Yeah, <laughs> one's real strong. <laughs> one's real strong, and one lies. I don't. What was the mom? Was she the stretchy one? Yes. What was the the son? He was fast. He dash. Yeah. He's real okay. fast. But then there's a then there's a baby that sort of can inherit the properties of matter, other matter, and he turns to fire at one That's point. So right. there's a brief human torch moment and Incredibles 2 is coming so why even who yeah, cares yeah. about Fantastic Four well apparently so nobody it's funny that, that that's sort of how we go from the bad to the didn't even bother like exactly <laughs> we just sort of push all of these out um, and then uh, 
you can. I think you have the most to say about these movies we listed under didn't even well, bother. Well, and you may be wondering, we haven't talked about Terminator Genesis with and or, uh, <laughs> Genesis yet, and and yes, we haven't because we didn't even bother. Um, you can go back to I forget which episode number it is, uh, but it is in season zero. We do talk about Terminator Genesis and how utterly pointless it is. It sort of came and went. Really, it was almost like a hurricane. It was here and gone, like you know, over the course of a week. And then it just, you never heard much about it again at all after that. And it just sort of, I think people who saw it saw it. And it was just, you know, if you're a huge hardcore Terminator fan or, and, and you, you just don't care, you're going to buy anything in that world, then more power to you. You have a new movie now. But otherwise, I don't even, like, just, it's sort of, it was so pointless that I just, it came and went and I didn't even, you know. And even before it came, when we discussed it, um, you know, I think, I think I said something along these lines of like, I, I don't know who is clamoring for more Terminator exactly. movies. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the but studio then, obviously because they want to keep the they want to keep the rights and keep the franchise yeah. m- moving along. But then once it's over, like once it's done, it's it's sort of like, you know, I remember when like Fast and the Furious four or something came out, and I was like, what? They're still making that? <laughs> but still in retrospect, like you know, these Terminator movies must have been making back their their money or something. I mean, why are they? You know, why keep going? I mean, I just... You may be right. It may be a pure property protection kind of, you know, gimmick. But it's so expensive to make one of those. Exactly. That to make another one, like, somebody in the world must be watching this and going like, yeah, bring back Arnold. I mean, I just... Well, do not, as one of the few care. people who... I mean, I actually enjoy Terminator Salvation um, a lot. And we saw Arnold... It's funny because everybody's like, oh, no, Arnold, they showed the younger Terminator. I'm like, we saw that in Terminator Salvation too, Like... Did you not see them like, at the end of Salvation? Spoilers. They, sh- you know, they they are making new Terminators, and one of them looks just like Arnold, and they have like the CGI Arnold, young Arnold face from 1981, you know, coming and attacking uh, uh, the dude from whatever the guy's name is, the dude from um, oh, the, oh my God, what the heck, <laughs> that guy, uh, he, I can't remember is his name at all now. What the heck is his name? Anywho, um, God, it's gonna really bug me. Anywho. They had that. They had that in there. I mean, it came and went. They could have made a sequel to that. Apparently, it wasn't good enough, or people didn't care enough, so they decided to go back and do some kind of weird. And from what I can under- understand, I briefly read the Wikipedia entry, and it looked so convoluted. It looked like half of the character choices and plot moments just seemed based on nothing but a fluke. Um, and if you take a, I mean, for me, if you take a, a advanced. Um, sort of uh, society of machines that have, you know, that logic and, and, you know, just that hard sort of logic is, is what guides their entire, every, every, everything they do. There shouldn't be any gaps, right? It should be like, you know, if you want to make a movie about man versus machine, the machine side of that equation has to be bulletproof and flawless and has to be, you know, operate at the highest efficiency. So it's got to be like them, you know, at every turn, every time we try to outsmart them, they're already there, you know, and that, right. that would be cool, but it seems like this is almost like, you know, man versus machine with the brain of like a five-year-old, more or less. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, I, I guess. Man versus childish machine. I mean, that's what it seems man. like because they're like, you know, like they're, they go they go forward in time to this other point where I'm like, the machines could have just simply gotten there and had done the thing they wanted to do anyway. And instead, they have to like half the movies them like trying to stop. I, again, I don't even want to try to explain it. It was convoluted. It does. It you know, watch it if you'd like, but I I didn't even bother, and it looks like neither did yeah. you. And one more one more for that list is the movie Pixels, which I'm, this is kind of a dual offender because not only was it just you know, and, and my apologies to Peter Dinklage, and I don't know how he got wrapped up in this in this this thing, but 
Adam Sandler at this point needs to have sort of the the box office poison um, sort of stink on him that like M. Night Shyamalan has. And I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. No kidding. They keep what a- giving him money and they keep giving him a lot of money to make these terrible movies. And I'm like, why, why, why? After Jack and Jill, that should have been the final straw. But no, they keep like, here's more. And here's, you know, and so not only did it just do, it just crashed and burned. But then on the other side of this, they have the producers in the studio have been going around suing uh, anyone who has a podcast or YouTube channel or domain that has the word pixels in it. Um, yeah. Even if it's like, you know, the you know, March of the Many Pixels or something. And I've been doing this you know, podcast for, or this video series for 10 years. Well, we're going to sue you because anyway, we're, we're trying to weirdly retroactively trademark the term pixels now, which is just absurd. Yeah. Like that, that, movie, that movie needs to be burned to the ground just for that alone. And everybody who invested money in it needs to never get it back. Because j- the fact that they, are, they made a bad movie, but then they're suing. They're, it's almost like a bully who didn't get their way or didn't get what they wanted for their birthday, then going around just beating up other kids who might have that thing that they want. It's just like, I, yeah. I don't understand. And when your movie's already tanking, like, why, why, why put, you know, why, why draw more negative exactly. attention to it? Yeah. Like, yeah. way, way to alienate the audience even further, you know, like, and now, now nobody wants to see it. So, and that's, um, and that, that's, and that too is the secret reason why we had to rename this podcast. And relaunch That's it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> this was going to be the, the spectacular t- Pixels podcast with uh, Todd and Taylor, <laughs> but now we have to just be, it just has to be the Todd and Taylor show, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. But that's the end of the summer recap. You know, there's some good, there's a lot of good stuff, actually. I was going to say some. There's a lot of good stuff. A little bad, and then just a couple, yeah, ugh, just sort of, you know. Yeah, well, let's, let's quickly look ahead to more positive things. Yes, so, let's, because as we've talked about before, the fall movie season coming up, and TV season, it looks just it 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 may be b- the best sort of slate we've ever seen, and I, I'm actually more excited for it than I was for this summer, personally. I, I yeah, I agree. Um, I, I feel like sometimes I feel like just a sucker because I know it's it's marketed so much towards me now, like with the you know like with. Uh, with a new Bond movie and a new Star Wars movie and stuff coming up that I'm like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And then I'm like, God, I'm just playing right into their hands. <laughs> like, <laughs> they know exactly when to start running these these uh, ads for them. But um, as we have mentioned, uh, the new Bond movie, Spectre, is coming yes. up. Yes. Oh, um, so and weird. we we are going to do a, a podcast that is just about spy movies um, to preview that yep. because I'm, we'll, we will both probably see it. Um, Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I'm... Uh, I, I think both of us are more excited about Christoph Waltz than <laughs> than uh, Daniel Craig. I mean, I'm, Daniel point. Craig's my favorite, personally my favorite Bond. But yeah, you see Christoph Waltz doing anything in a trailer, remotely interesting, and I'm pretty much going to be there. Um, so that's you know, and say as much as they will that he's not Blofeld, even though he's wearing the Blofeld suit and petting a cat and all that good stuff. It's like, you know. <laughs> I uh, although I I did discover that the um, the guy who plays Moriarty from the new season you know the new Sherlock series is also in it, so that is incredibly intriguing too. I wonder I wonder what that is about or what he what he plays. But it's cool because they've set up the they basically kind of restored the original Bond universe at the end of Skyfall. So now like moving forward, it's like you know you've got the you've got Ray Fiennes as the new M the you know the or the, the the male M, and then you've got um, Q as an actual character again, and like they've got the base and all that kind of st- like you know it's it is it is the universe that you know classic fans will know and remember. Um, 
And it, they did this amazing hat trick, but I was never a big James Bond fan until these Craig movies. And all of a sudden, now they've sucked me back in. So now I'm like, yeah, that's, I'm bring on the universe. Let's see it all. Let's let's bring everyone back. You know, as far as these classic characters go. Well, yeah, that's totally interesting, and I, and I look forward to. Um, I shouldn't even admit to this, but I will watch Skyfall <laughs> since I've never seen oh, it bef- never before seen our Skyfall? podcast. Oh my god! Because that'll be such a great. Well, as you know, I'm like classic I Bond know, fan, so that'll be a great. Like I didn't actually realize that they sort of restored the universe in that way. Oh yeah. I mean, I knew I knew M and Q had sort of changed. And I'll, stuff let like me that, put this so. in your ear for Skyfall. As much as you like sort of you know, more intimate stakes, this Skyfall more than any other Bond movie has probably the most intimate stakes at the end that I have ever seen. Well, and so I, I, are there three, only three Craig movies or are there four? Three so far. Okay. So, so I have seen the other two, um, and Casino Royale and whatever that, that middle one is that I've quantum of soul. Yeah, I never saw that one. Um, and they, uh, they, they had, I remember them. They were just, they did have that great visceral, uh, born movie yep. kind of action to them, but they both, overstayed their welcome mm. like it was like they had a tight plot and then they just wandered to another part of a plot to you know sort of like this weird feeling i think everyone every movie now has of like well 90 minutes isn't good enough yeah yeah <laughs> we gotta go to two and a half hours you know at least well you and, may you may have and some they problems just start to wander we, we've talked about that so um, you may have some problems because like the first i mean uh javier bardem doesn't even appear until like 45 minutes in, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like, but once he shows up, I mean, it, it, from that point on, you kind of don't care because the whole rest of it is so good and so it just it so well orchestrated that you're like, oh, that's right, there was a whole half hour that nothing happened. But once you get past that point, and I, I shouldn't say nothing happened. There's a there's a lot of setup um, for it, but it's I don't know. I just I really dug it, and I think it's still yeah. free on Netflix. Well, and you're not the only person to tell me that. Like I've universally been criticized for not seeing Skyfall, so. I will definitely remedy that before we record that podcast, and it'll be a great conversation about that. Indeed. So, also coming up um, this fall, obviously we have Return of Doctor Who. We have you know, a bunch of other great television coming out. We've got movie-wise, though, Steve Jobs, the not not the Ashton Kutcher movie back in theaters again. No, no, no. This is the this is the um, uh, Michael Fassbender um, and I, the, uh, Aaron Sorkin. That's the right Aaron Sorkin written. Yeah. Movie that looks phenomenal, uh, so I'm very excited about that. I am. I'm really curious about it too. Um, I just saw the. I just saw the theatrical trailer before Ant Man. Nice. So, um, or maybe, or maybe before Mr. Holmes. I don't know. One of those movies I saw last week, and uh, it, I, I'm. I, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's it's kind of like the Social Network. I'm like, oh, why are you, <clears throat> you know, writing something on contemporary history that. You know, like I saw that guy give those speeches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that always sort of, sort of bothers me, and like uh, how quickly the biops, you know, biopics arrive. But um, but you know, like you mentioned, like stellar cast and you know, impeccable credits. So and and uh, much not be good? much uh, discussed as part of the Sony leak because you got to see kind of the back and forth of. You know how the how Sony essentially lost the movie, and you know it was going to originally be with Christian yeah. Bale, and then Leonardo DiCaprio, and then like everybody kept moving around, and finally Michael Fassbender uh, cast Steve Jobs, and then the um, I forget the director who directed uh, Slumdog Millionaire, that Danny Boyle, um, yeah, yeah, is the director. Train spotting. Yeah, so I'm actually kind of excited. Danny Boyle is one of those guys you don't see you know pop up in these kinds of contexts a lot, so I'm kind of excited to see what he does with it. It might be the kind of the perfect. It, this may be one of those situations where. 
you know, it just, what we got was the best version because it waited, it had to go through all these different iterations and changes to get to this point. So I'm curious. Well, and as reluctant as I was to see the social network, when I finally saw it, I was like, damn, that was It was really, really good. good. <laughs> it was super. And that was largely Aaron Sorkin. Like, so the fact that he's, yeah. you know, and it kind of has that sort of social networky kind of look to it as well. So I'm, I'm thinking yeah. it's kind of in universe. And then obviously, um, you know. The big the one. The big one. The big and, and, and let's just be honest. It'll probably be the biggest movie of all time if, you know. I've, yeah, it's been so great that I have been like, I've, I've just, I've paced myself, you know. I know when the you need first. To. Star Wars Episode Seven trailer showed up. Uh, you know, a couple friends of mine who chat on my blog. One specifically, Brian, had said like he, he he was like you know I remember him just saying I've watched this trailer ten times already today, wow. and I didn't you know and I just I just kept you know my foot on the brakes. So I was like just don't yep, <laughs> yep. don't do it. But um, I'm yeah I'm I'm I, I mean I'm you know. I'm getting pretty thrilled, just like everybody else. So, And they've been doing such uh, a great job in terms of b- what they've been putting out there. We still haven't seen a full trailer oh, yeah. yet with Mark Hamill in it. You know, we still haven't seen more than just that little blip True. of Harrison Ford. And it's like... Well, and that behind-the-scenes clip that they... I mean, it's widely available, like, on YouTube, the, um, the Comic-Con yes. backstage kind of mm-hmm. stuff, where they um, had them talk so much about the practical effects and the practical sets that they're building... Was just, I mean, it was like, what a way to bring in all the people that got alienated yes. by the prequels. Yes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited about it, and we are at least at this point planning a, like a Star Wars series of podcasts, yes. which I'm also excited about. And I, I will only tease it this way of saying, I, I, as, as a skeptic who was turned off by the prequels, um, just recently watched The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, the to- like the Blu-ray, you know, like whatever it was called, the you know super definitive version or whatever. Mm. Um, at, at my my brother owns that collection, whatever it is, the ultimate collection or whatever. And so I watched that with my dad and my niece, um, who's definitely too young to be watching The Empire Strikes Back, but nonetheless was really excited by it. And we'll just talk more about that, like when we get into the podcast itself, nice. because I definitely got turned off by those restored versions, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've kind of been brought back into it. Nice. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, with knowing that the universe is in good hands mm-hmm. at this mm-hmm. point. <laughs> so, and, but I will say, at this point, I do think we are ready for the next of uh, like official trailer. Yes, yes, or teaser or whatever. I like I, I have definitely, I've seen. The Star Wars trailer in front of several movies this summer. I believe it was in front of Avengers and Jurassic mm-hmm. World and Ant Man, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm just ready for what you know. The, I know like the fall season starts. We better have a new trailer. Yeah, I think that's, I think they're gearing up. I think that they're aware of that too, and so they're just kind of just waiting to the last sort of minute, and then they'll you know we'll have it with you know probably two two and a half months to spare. I'm sure. So it'll be and same with Batman versus Superman. I'm ready for a new trailer. Yeah. Like I, I love that trailer. That one I, I've um, I've watched many many times, but I've also seen it in front of several movies at this point, and I'm ready for whatever comes mm-hmm. next. I want the next hint yep. of Batman yep. versus Superman. Indeed. Well, so. on that note, uh, that's what's coming up this fall. Again, keep checking our website 
for yes, we have our own website yes, now. All our picks, news, anything that was topical before that we would spend a lot of time on. We're gonna actually, yeah, you know, the candy roller coaster, all that kind of stuff. That's just gonna live as features on the website now. We're on social media, so um, you can check out Todd and Taylor. That's T O D D A N D T A Y L O R. Toddandtaylor.com for all of that wonderful stuff. Uh, you know, as well as past episodes. Anything else that we might come up with as we as we sort of build this new season of the Todd and Taylor Show? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. And of course, you can find us um, on Twitter. I am at Hey Todd A, and you are I'm at Taylor Tresk. And uh, yeah, great. That was a great episode one. I liked it. Yeah, it was kind of a good good to get back into the groove of things. And so next uh, next episode, if all goes according to plan, will be our sort of. Uh, Examination, if you will, on the spy movie genre. We'll get into Mission Impossible, James Bond, Man from Uncle, which is currently out now too. So, you know, feel free to jump in on that one, and we'll have a, a nice little conversation about all that good stuff. And uh, we might even start posting sort of, uh, you know, our schedule of what's to come too once we get into a group. If you miss the comic book stuff and our comic book reviews, don't worry. We're going to have one of those a month where we just sit down and talk about comics we're reading and, and going into. So, uh, if Yeah, and like a dedicated episode exactly. on that. Exactly. So be, we can get really into so the weeds on that. So if you miss that stuff, don't worry. We'll be back with that uh, soon, uh, and we'll let everybody know when that comes up. Otherwise, I think, I think that about wraps it up. Yeah. Cool. Great job. All right. <laughs> we'll see. We'll talk to everyone very soon.